You know, I like Mother's Day. It's a time for all of us to stop, to think about our mothers, what they have done for us, and give them some needed praise and honor, thanks for all the things that they do for us now and that our mothers have done for us in the past if we're older. Um, Our good mothers and wives, they deserve a special day. I'm not saying that only once a year you should thank your mom or anything in that nature. Please don't get me wrong. I think every day you should thank your mom for the things that she does for you. And, uh, and that helps to give them encouragement. It builds them up to help them to be better mothers uh, for you and, and to you. You know, a, a great thing is to be able to have a good memory of a good mother. Though I know some children, um, the memory of of their mother may not be good. Maybe they think of mom and she's got a cocktail glass in her hand and a cigarette in the other. Maybe uses a foul mouth and just wasn't a good example. Or maybe they think of mom and they think of coming home and then mom rushing out and leaving home and devoting most of her time to some social organizations, maybe the PTA or some other club or something that they're involved in. Some may also think of their mom and have memories of mom bringing them and dropping them off at Sunday school or to the Assembly of the Saints or to Vacation Bible School. And they never stay, they they leave and they go home and maybe they catch up on some sleep. Maybe they possibly say, hey, this is a good time without any distractions and the kids aren't here. I'm going to get some work done and paint the fence or do my spring cleaning and wipe the walls down or whatever I want to do. And I don't have to worry about the kids. I left them in good hands over there at the church. But you know, thanks be to God that most of us have good memories of having a good mother. For these memories will last forever in the hearts of children. And it is these good memories that will bless you the rest of your life. I'm thankful that my mom is is still alive. And when I get these sermons together, I always think of my mom, good Christian woman, without that uh, discipline and instruction and so forth that she gave me. I would not be here this morning standing up here behind this pulpit if it wasn't for her and her counsel, her instruction, her discipline, her training, and uh, just watching her example and the way that she functioned and um, acted and moved uh, with my older sister and brother and with me. Our text says in Proverbs 31.10, Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife. Some of your translations say, a virtuous woman. Who can find one? Wow. Think about our society today. Hmm. Can you find an excellent wife? Good godly woman? A good virtuous godly woman? It says that their worth is far above jewels. I mean, if you had Fort Knox and all the gold that's in it, If you had giant rubies and diamonds and sapphires and 
all the different things that are out there. And you piled them up and made the biggest pile that you possibly could. Those things aren't worth anything when you compare them on the scales to a good, excellent wife and virtuous woman, the proverb writer tells us. This morning, let's notice some good marks, some good things about a good mother. First off, a good mother, she's devoted to her husband. Proverbs 31, verse 11 and 12 going on there, talking about the excellent wife or virtuous woman there in in Proverbs 31, starting in 10. But looking now at 11 and 12, it says, the heart of her, her husband, this excellent wife, the heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Wow, this woman... She's so valuable. And here, her husband, he trusts in this woman. He doesn't lack anything. She does him good and doesn't do any bad or evil things to him all of her days. You know, the greatest gift a wife can give to her husband is to do him good and not evil. Realizing that they're on the same team. And that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It it just won't last. Mark 3.25. You see, if you have a husband and wife, and they're both going towards God, they're getting closer together. You see, that's important. But if you have one going towards God and the other one's not, and just staying there going the other way, boy, oh boy, they're getting further away. But when they're on the same team and they have the same good godly morals and values and standards. They're trying to be holy and righteous and pure and true as the word teaches. Man, they're going to be united and they're going to be moving together. You see, the the real point here is that a good mother is devoted to her husband. Not because he deserves it, but because it's God's plan. And she is also going to be submissive to her heavenly father. Proverbs 31.23 says that her husband, this virtuous, excellent wife, her husband's known in the gates when he sets among the elders of the land. Why? Because of the encouragement, maybe because of the way that the the woman's uh, blessed him and put good clothes on him. And I get comments all the time on the way I'm dressed that I'm like, I didn't do anything. My wife dresses me. (laughs) You wouldn't want to see the things that I would want to wear. But my wife takes care of me in those ways. She says, David, what in the world are you doing? That clashes. It doesn't work. Get out of the way. And she'll take care of me and help me in those ways. I can see this guy in the gates with all the judges and the elders and the important people of the city. And him looking good. Why? Because the excellent wife's taking care of him. Maybe she's even involved in sewing and making him clothes and making him look good. So when he goes down there, he doesn't look like the town jester or a clown, but that he looks good. Right? Laura doesn't want me to come up here with my bozo hair all froed out and my little red nose on. She wants me to look good, right? This woman does that for him. He's known in the gates when he sits amongst 
the elders of the land. Her work at home is not about being noticed or earning some position or title for herself. As a matter of fact, all of her work gives praise to her husband, it says there, in the gates. I can't imagine why in this world any husband would not be happy to have a Christian wife and be delighted knowing that she was going to the assembly of the saints, being instructed on how to be a good mother, a good spouse. You see, those men that get mad and say, you know, this ought to be family day. We ought to go to the park. We ought to go do this. We ought to go do that. You know, and I remember growing up in my youth, a lot of ladies would come to the church there at Hopwood. I don't know if Laura can remember that. And I'd always ask my mom and dad, where are their husbands? Are they widows? Or what's going on? And a lot of them were like, no. They get mad that their wives come. You know, we go and talk to them, the elders and the deacons and the preacher, and we try to motivate them and we try to get them to come. You know, and a lot of them are mad that their women are coming. And it's like, man, why are those men being mad when they're learning good things that are only going to be able to help them and show their love and devotion and care for them? You know, a big problem today in our society, why many women are not happy, is they're not satisfied with their husband's success because they want to be recognized themselves. Isn't that kind of what the women's movement pushes in some regards? You be the one. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The woman does things and she's behind the scenes and helping the husband so that he does what's right. Why? So that he'll love her and respect her more and take care of the children and do everything that he can and give his life for his woman. Why? Because she's so good to him and helps him. You know, men, aren't we part of the blame? If you're married to a good woman who helps to make you what you are, you know, you owe it to her to praise her and to honor her for being such a supportive and helpful good wife. And a mark of this devotion is this woman's subjection to him, according to the Bible. 1 Peter 3, 1 says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Now, it doesn't mean that a man's going to be able to be saved and go to heaven if his wife's a good Christian woman. But the man can look at the woman and say, Man, look how she conducts herself, and look how she is, and Man, above all things, she's faithful to the assembly and being around the Lord's Day every week and taking the kids and dressing them and putting them in their Sunday best and doing the very best that she can. You know what? Maybe I ought to go check out what this is about because of her behavior and her training and teaching. It's rubbing off on him now where he comes and he hears the word and he has faith that believing and repents and confesses Christ and becomes a Christian. And then you have a husband and a wife on the same team working together to be godly Christians and good people. And not only is this woman to be submissive to her husband, but she should respect him. Ephesians 5, 33 says, Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife 
even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Another mark of this devotion to her husband is her faithfulness to him. 1 Corinthians 7.10 says, But to the married I give instructions, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. You know, a good wife, a good mother realizes that divorce and separation are not pleasing to God. They're, They're not good things. Secondly, a good mother, she loves her home life. She's willing to work with her hands and be a keeper at home. Proverbs 31 there in verse 13 through 15 says this, She looks for wool and and flax and works with her hands into light. Sounds like she's sewing and making various things out of these things that she gets for her household. She's like a merchant ship. You know, the merchant ship comes and has all these different goods and good things of their food or supplies and needed things. And she brings her food from afar. Maybe she goes down and trades some of the things that she makes and she's business-minded and has good sense about herself. And she goes and gets different food from all over the world and everything from these merchant ships that she can't get there in, in her hometown. It says that she rises while it's still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. It sounds like she gets up and makes food and gets the slaves and the servants and the maidens and maybe the kids off to school, taking some of those things back then when the proverb writer's writing, but maybe taking it a little bit into where we're at today instead of just sleeping and saying, you know what, when you get up tomorrow, there's some Pop-Tarts. Go make yourself Pop-Tart. You know, what did I used to do? Hmm, orange slices, Pop-Tarts, I'll take these. I'll have a lot of friends today, you know, and I'd take the candy. No, get them a bowl of cereal, make them something to eat. Get them off, get them a good start. Proverbs 31, 27 says, She looks well to the ways of her household. Doesn't eat the bread of idleness or the, the bread of laziness. It's not that she's just thinking about herself. She's thinking about her kids and her husband and her maidens and those who were there working for her. She's happy doing her work at home for her family. Right now, you may be thinking of your grandmother or mom and uh, how they certainly gave their life and caring for their family and seeing that they knew God and went to the assembly of the local church every week. Their life was not about who they were, but about their family their children and their grandchildren, maybe even their great-grandchildren, if they were able to know them. But as much as we love to look back at our mothers, our grandmothers, we can't live in the past. We must begin ourselves focusing on the future of our children and our grandchildren. For years from now, it will no longer be about your grandmother or your mom, but it's going to be about you. And what a great Christian mother you were to your children and someday to your grandchildren and hopefully your great-grandchildren. Mothers, how well are you doing at passing Christianity and good morals and values on to your children and your grandchildren? Another mark of a good mother 
She trains her children. She certainly is one who is mindful of God's loving kindness and passes this on to her family. Psalms 103.17 says, But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to your children and to the grandchildren and to the great-grandchildren. It's children's and children's and children's. It keeps going. You see, most of all, this virtuous woman, she's right with God herself. But she still wants to obey the commandments of God. And she wants to train her children and make sure they know and understand God's teachings. She puts God first in her life and is faithful to Christ and to his church. For the greatest of things a child will remember about their mother is not simply their beauty or their cooking abilities or skills or their social success, but it's her faith in God, her good example that'll be remembered. That's what I remember about my mom. That's what I remember about my grandma. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he will go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, when I think back and I think, man, I spent a lot of time with my nose in the corner, uh, but I'm not Pinocchio today. <clears throat> you know, yeah, my butt got tanned and warmed a lot when I was young, but I deserved every one of those spankings, every one of those timeouts, every one of those things that I was denied to stop me. But those things were important. My mom was there to instruct me, to guide me, to correct me, to teach me, to say, that's wrong, this is what's right. And it was so important that she trained me the way that she did. And it used to hurt her. I remember her going and, I, and crying in the other room and stuff because she had to discipline me and do various things she didn't want to do and it was hard for her to do. But she knew ultimately it needs to be done. You know, mothers must train their children. Listen, child neglect is child abuse. You cannot neglect your children. That's your job. Mom, that's the highest job that you have. Training your children. You need to start at a very young age to do that. And raise them up from, from a very young age. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This woman training her child is her ultimate example of love to the family. Though many mothers today seem to think that their children will come out all right without any help or training on their part, but that's not true. Mothers, please realize if you don't teach your children to respect you and to do what's right, how are you going to ever get them to listen to God? And do what's right according to his word. If you can't get them to do that to you. You see, if they won't listen to their instruction. Or your instruction. How are they going to listen to God's? 
You see, it's, it's important that your children know how to act, how to talk, how to eat, how to cook, how to work, how to read, so on and so on and so on and so on. But it's even more important that they know how to live for God. The best way to train them is by showing them, by setting the example. A good mother accepts her children, that they're a gift from the Lord, and she enjoys their company. Proverbs 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, a fruit of the womb. It's a reward. A good mother realizes her duty and responsibility towards her children is her greatest mission in life. And dads, you need to do your part too. You're involved in this also. A good mother is a godly mother who will point her children to God by her example and by her words. A well-trained child knows that when they obey their parents, they're pleasing God. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. A good Christian mother will also love her children and train them to honor her like the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments tells us. And I'd like to read where Paul states it in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. We'll talk about that more this evening. You see, a good mother isn't concerned about herself, but denies herself for her children. And for that reason, she deserves honor from her children. A good mother chooses to give herself and literally loses her life in her family. To her, there is no higher calling than being a good wife and a good mother. A woman came and was visiting her friend. After meeting her children, she made the statement, I'd give my life to have two children like that. And the lady said, that's exactly what it costs. You want to have good kids? You're going to have to give your all. 100% to them, raising them, training them, being involved in their lives. Make sure you're the ones training them and giving them advice and telling them the facts of life, not the neighbor boy or the neighbor girl or somebody else down the street or the boob tube. You be the one instructing them. You be the one helping them. And yes, it will cost you dearly to be a good Christian mother. But don't ever forget, it will pay off the rest of your life with the joy your children will bring you. Again, I've been here 28 years. I've used this illustration at least twice that I'm going to read for you right now. Uh, but it, it's so good. And uh, I, I think of my mom and, and different things and, and uh, my brother and my sister. And um, I just think this is a, a good illustration. Let me wet my whistle here so I can read this. 
the illustrations called The Meanest Mother in Town. You know, I had the meanest mother in the world. While other kids were able to have candy for breakfast, I had to eat cereal, eggs, toast. <laughs> While other kids had uh, soda pop and candy and JJ pies and stuff like that, little Debbies and stuff in their lunches at school, I had to have a sandwich celery with peanut butter on it and the kids would laugh at me what are you eating tuna sandwich bologna sandwich a ham sandwich what what is that green stuff you're eating oh yeah well you ought to scoop the peanut butter out of there but you can't eat that together that's junk you know my mother she insisted to know where I was at all times it's a good thing too <laughs> I was an ornery kid You'd, you'd think I was, again, had one of those ankle monitors on me. Wasn't allowed to leave the property or to leave the house. Or she had some little seed embedded under my skin and she'd watch me. Now they have cell phones and parents can watch the kids. Kids don't know that. But the kids could say, I know they're over here. Oh, they're over here. They're doing this. They didn't tell me they were going to do those things. But my mom back in the day... Uh, 150,000 years ago, um, she embedded something under my skin. Maybe that's why I'm not writing ahead in LR. I'm not sure. But she wanted to know where I was, what I was doing, when I was going to be home. She didn't like it. She'd say, you're not going. Or she'd say, no, you're going to be home at this time. And if you're not, we're going to put you in the Iron Maiden in the basement for a week and we're going to torture you. Till you get it right. You know, I'm ashamed to admit it, but she actually had the nerve to break all the child labor laws when I was growing up. I don't think my brother and sister worked, but they were older than me, seven years and five years. And maybe they were gone when I had grown up and I was the only one there now. But man, I had to wash dishes. I had to make my bed. And uh, it was never right. And then when I got in the Navy, I had to make my bed and it had to be right. My mom would make me do yard work. I, I look at the tools and the things that we have today and I'm like, man, I wished I had that stuff back when I was a kid. She used to make me crawl around on my hands and knees and weed the, the flower beds and she had them all around the house. We had a rock garden that went down the hill where our sliding glass door was. I had to go out there weekly and uh, cut the, um, what's that? Vine lar, the plant that smells real good, honeysuckle. I had to crawl around and cut that stupid honeysuckle every week. It was such a pain. They have weed whackers today. I had these little scissor things. I mean, they would literally give me blisters. They were like these long little blade things, and you had to actually squeeze, and I had to crawl around in the gravel driveway and go down along there and try to cut and trim the... It was like torture. She'd come out and inspect me. This needs done better. You miss some here. There's a blade of grass on this side you miss. Oh, look at that strip, David. Come on, you can do better. It's 95 degrees, Mom. I'm dying. And I'm crawling around, chopping this stuff, cutting the bushes. I had to go down and weed our garden. The garden's beautiful, Mom. Go weed it. I'd have to get down there and weed that garden. She'd make me run the sweeper. I had to get the trash out. 
I had to drag the trash to the road. I had to get the mail every day. The newspaper, I trained my collie to run out to the road, get into the Herald Standard mailbox, pull the paper out, and bring it to me. Then they'd yell at me because he'd slobber on it. I'm like, look what I taught the collie to do. Isn't this amazing? Shouldn't I be like on TV or something? Uh, but she'd make me vacuum the cars, wash them, dry them. I had to stand there with towels and hand dry them. You know, the other kids are over there playing and flying kites and doing whatever. And Dave's over here working like a slave. Then I passed inspection. Everything was good. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'm going to go play. Ho, ho, get to your grandmother's. She needs her grass cut. <laughs> you got to crawl around and cut around her house. Her shed needs painted. Her swing needs painted. You got to get her mail for her. Or in the wintertime, uh, yeah, you shoveled our sidewalks and did this. Now go to Gams. You got to go and shovel her driveway, her sidewalks. And you need to shovel a path through the yard there to, to, so she can get her mail. I mean, this was like torture. Man, it was terrible. The other kids are playing and I'm working. Man, I had the meanest mother in town. I think she used to sleep at night and make a list. What can I make him do tomorrow? <laughs> she always insisted that we tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, our life became even more unbearable. I remember learning how to drive and going down into town and thinking I was big shot with the windows down and seeing one of my girlfriends or somebody and I'd honk and wave, stop it! What? Quit calling attention to ourselves. Quit being a whoremonger, whistling and honking at dumb girls. What's wrong with you? Be a good example. I'm like, I was trying to show them, hey, Dave's able to drive now and you just stop it. I'll never let you drive again. Let's get down to shop and save and get our groceries. You know, she would always instruct me and just be mean to me. You know, my friends, they were allowed to go on dates and go to the dances at school and do all these things at a young age, but not Dave. I had to wait till I was older. I went to a dance and I came out after a school dance, after a football game, we had won. And I came out and this girl kissed me and I was like, what? I went home, she goes, what happened? I said, a girl kissed me. What? You don't ever let a girl kiss you. You're not allowed dating any kids. These are the rules. <clears throat> you don't ever kiss a girl or touch a girl or anything unless she is a woman that you're going to marry. I was like, what? Not computing. <laughs> Smoke's coming out of my ear. But she's like, hey, don't be messing around unless this is somebody you're going to be seriously court that you think is somebody you're going to marry. And she used to beat these crazy ideas into my head. You know, she was raising a bunch of squares. Nerds. But you know what? None of us kids got arrested for shoplifting, busted for drugs, never brought home by the police being drunk. 
And who do we have to thank for this? You're right. My mean old mom. My mean old dad. You know what? We tried to raise our children that way with Brian and Caleb. We wanted them to stand a little taller. Stand straighter. And you know, when people would say, you're mean. You don't let that kid put on a Halloween costume and go and do that. And you're not telling your kid there's Santa Claus and you're warping those kids. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm telling them the truth and telling them the facts of life. And when they want to call me a mean old dad, go for it. I know Laura likes it when they say that about her too. And hopefully when they say that about our granddaughter to us, we'll say, thank God. You know, our country, it doesn't need more freedoms. It needs more mothers like mine. Another mark of a good mother is a good mother honors God. I ran out of time telling my stories there, but I'll move through these next two points quick. A good mother honors God. Whether or not your husband is a Christian, you must still praise and worship the Lord. You must still seek God first in his righteousness before all other things in this world. Matthew 6, 33. It won't take long for the virtuous mother's children to know who comes first in her life and exactly who is Lord of her life. Another mark of a good mother is a good mother also honors her family. Proverbs 12, 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown to her husband, but she who shames him is, is rottenness in his bones. You see, a, a good mother, she's like having a crown. Big old giant gold crown says king. But if the woman doesn't honor him, doesn't take care of him, doesn't encourage him, it's like rottenness. It's like my bones and the bone marrow rotting inside me and my body rotting from the inside out. That's not good. This good mother honors her family, and it says there in Proverbs 31, 20 through 21, she even extends her hands to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the, the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She dresses them well and takes care of them and makes sure they have their needs met. How true is it that behind Every good man or, or good kid, there's a good woman. Proverbs 31, 28 and 30 says, this virtuous mother, excellent wife, her children will rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her saying, charm's beautiful. Excuse me. <clears throat> Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. In conclusion, we all need to give our ladies praise and honor, respect that they so richly deserve every day of our lives. Mothers and wives, I hope you will all have a happy 
great and wonderful day today. If your mom's still alive and you're away from her, give her a call. Tell her how much you appreciate what she did for you in the past and uh, what you were able to learn from her and, and encourage her and, and thank her for what she's done in your life for you. As we get ready to sing our song of invitation, we always do that at every service. And if there's anyone here that needs to accept Christ, needs to be obedient to the gospel, and you haven't done it, why not? Why not now? Why don't you become a Christian today? Paul told the Corinthians, today's the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not delay. Don't put it off for another day. If you believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you're willing to repent of your sins, turn from them and turn towards God, and you're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, that He's Lord of your life, and you're willing to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then after you do that and become a Christian, live a faithful life until the end. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation. I'll be here to greet you. And if you're ready right now and you need to become a Christian, why put it off? Do it now. Do it before it may be too late. <laughs>